For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Appreciate your streaming in early with us here on Birds 365. You got Johnny Mac and Jody Mac hanging with you as the countdown continues. We are 19 days away from the opening of Eagles training camp. Uh, Johnny Mac, you guys there day one? Or do they kind of let you in drips and drabs? Uh, the opening day is a Tuesday, which means we're less than three weeks away now. Are you getting grass time day one? No, no. Uh, reporting day, my guess is we won't even be allowed uh, in the facility. Um, so the second day would be the first day. Then remember, you have this ramp up period where you can't do that much. So, you know, we'll be on the field, but they won't be doing much. Um, You'll be able to confirm who can and can't touch their toes, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um <laughs> So, yeah, it's not like it used to be. Well, let's put it that way. Uh, right. But I would say no. July 26th, my, my best guess is uh, we will not be there on July 26th. It'll be a day or two thereafter. And uh, everyone in the Delaware Valley, certainly anybody streaming <laughs> in to us here on Birds 365, are counting the days, if not marking off a calendar, as to when the Eagles get it underway. And as you just uh, correctly stated, there's this ramp up period where they just try and stretch out and get the guys in shape. And they're not actually implementing anything on offense or defense. It's just a conditioning and welcoming back. And let's see if we can stretch ourselves out to get into football shape to play the season. But it comes pretty damn fast, Johnny Mac. 
before yeah. you know it, the first game is going to be upon them. Um, the Eagles and every other National Football League team have dates that they harshly have to restrict to because of the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, and it will come down to the big question, how ready are the Eagles and the other 31 teams in the National Football League for that week one game? Here's the way I look at it, and it, it'll be a really great test for us here on Birds 365 with our guys uh, uh, commenting in on the stream on any shows I do on uh, uh, WIP and Eagles Nation's uh, feeling about the start of the season. Are you a glass half empty or a glass full guy? Because if you're a glass full guy, we know the Eagles are going to do less than they used to do. We know the Eagles will probably do less than they themselves did last year. If the offseason is any indication, the lack of practices, what they actually didn't practice, no such thing as 11 on 11, keeping it all seven and seven. They are truly subscribing to the less is more theory and keeping all their guys healthy. And we'll see if it pays dividends or not. But the first couple of weeks of the season, they'll be under a slightly uh, more synced in microscope because they did less than we're used to, than they're used to, whatever else. If they play well, then no one will say anything. Now, they're supposed to play well because the early season schedule, at least as per what the teams did last year, is not hard. They they have very winnable games. We've stated here on Birds 365, there's a good chance they go 4-0 uh, to start the season. If they don't, then yes, the scrutiny will be ratcheted up. If you're a glass half full guy, you say, well, if we're going to come in less than fully prepared, I'm glad we got an early schedule that's pretty damn easy. We'll find a way to win those games. Doesn't matter how much work we did. But if you're a glass half empty guy, you're going to say, damn, if we lose those games, those are, those are ones we got penciled in as big W's. And if we stub our toe early on because we're not ready, the whole season can go to spit before it ever gets underway. You a glass half full guy or glass half empty guy? Well, I, I'm I'm a glasses half empty guy in general, but uh, I will I will say it's it's definitely it's not even about half full half it, it it's definitely you know let's say three quarters empty when it comes to preparation, but um that's for everybody that's for everybody Jody. That's so true. while you were I didn't know you were going to go this way to 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 uh, to start the show, so I was looking it up when you were talking because they made another tweak. On, uh, it turns out it was May 17th on, on the ramp up period for training camp. And it used to be, I think the first two days you would, weren't allowed to have zero live contact. Zero. I mean, zero personal, not forget about team, forget about pads. I mean, team drills, zero. Now it's days two through five of training camp, no live contact. So day one's reporting that doesn't even count. Days two through five, no live contact at all. Players can be on the field for no more than three and a half hours. Uh, two on-field sessions are permitted. One full-speed practice, uh, one walk-through. Full-speed full without contact. Yeah, without without contact. Now, interestingly, they now have time periods. Day two, you can only go 90 minutes. So we can't criticize Nick Sirianni for going 90 minutes. Oh, he'll go less than 90. He won't get anywhere near 90. Yeah, mark, well, mark it down. Jody Mack said it three weeks before. Yeah, possibly. Nowhere near 90 minutes. Day three, 105 minutes. 
Day four, two hours. Day five, two hours. Um, so this is how structured it has become. But when I say that, you see, you've already seen it, right? You saw Mike McCarthy in this division, and I believe Ron Rivera get fined $100,000 for kind of pushing the envelope yep. with off-season work. There are coaches, John Harbaugh is famous for this. He's been fined too many times to count, um, who will push the envelope um, as much as they can. You know, you can put another guarantee out there, Jody. Nick's not doing that. He's not pushing any envelopes. He's not getting a fine. Yeah. He's keeping all his money. Um, so there you have it. So, like I said, it's not about half full, half empty. It's empty when it comes to preparation. So I go back to last season, and they look like world beaters week one in Atlanta, which in hindsight I think had more to do with Arthur Smith just being, you know, overwhelmed in his first year as a rookie head coach. Um, and then they look terrible. I mean, they look terrible. They started two and five. So do the math. That's five out of six. Uh, they lost. And, and remember, we were talking about this last week with somebody. Remember how many pen penalties they had in those first seven games leading the NFL historic penalty numbers. And people were starting to point out that maybe Nick Sirianni's in over his head. These guys aren't prepared. These guys are making mental mistakes, mental errors. You know, coaches always say, you know, no MEs, no mental errors, blah, blah, blah. And there were a ton of those. And then they righted the ship. But when it comes to preparation early in the season, it's going to be ugly. But it, it's going to be ugly for anybody. So you're going to have to bite and scratch your way and find a way to win these games. John, do me a favor. Print that out. Save that. Keep that. We'll be referencing what you just read many times uh, as we lead up to the beginning of the season. Because you're right. I, I am comping, and probably unfairly so, um, what the Eagles will do in the preseason in the camp this year as compared to Dick Vermeil's two-a-day practices. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. That is long-ago history of the National Football League. And if you're old enough to remember, if you're old enough to have been at those camps when you could go basically every single day as a fan and enjoy, that no longer exists either. And that's not just a Philly thing. That's an across-the-board thing. Now, there are some teams have much more open camp structure than the Eagles do. I'm not trying to give the Eagles a complete pass. They have uh, shuttered it down in comparison to other teams around the football league, uh, National Football League, pretty well. But there are also teams that have much more open accessibility to their fans uh, before the season gets underway. But just overall, the amount of time spent on the field and working, the only comparison you want to make is the Eagles as compared to everybody else in the National Football yeah. League this year. Doesn't matter what's been done in previous seasons. It's all <laughs> how the Eagles, you just ran down the number, 90 minutes this day, uh, two hours the next day, two hours a day after that. If they're putting in on the 90-minute day 45 minutes and some other team is putting in all 90, if the two-hour day they're only doing an hour and 15 minutes and another team's doing all two hours, then yes, that's the comparison we're going to look to. And we're going to find out if the overall who's the key Eagle determinant in how much they should practice before the season starts, John. Well, and that's, I, I think it's personally, well, it's Howie Roseman, but I think it, it who's comes in Howie's ear. 
Uh, Archdenota. Who's Archdenota. The, that, the, that's the, the name I was looking yeah. for. He and, will have he will have uh, his fingerprints all over the the clock of the Eagles preseason. And by the way, I don't even think you have to worry about other teams. They're going the limit. The vast majority of other teams, if they're allowed to go ninety, they're going ninety. If they're allowed to go two hours, they're going two hours. Um, you know, there could be exceptions deep in camp. You know, if you want to give players a maintenance day and all that kind of stuff, which is now a thing. You know. I, and just like the NBA and all that kind of stuff. We're going to see the first maintenance days for, you know, the Fletcher Coxes and the Brandon Grams and the Jason Kelsey's of the world, like two, two, three days. <laughs> and I mean, that's just the way it is now, Jody. It's, it's, it's a whole different world. And, and, and Doug Peterson did the same thing. So if yeah. You're gonna, oh yeah. Nick oh, yeah. Sirianni, you know, he's too soft as a new coach. No, 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 no. The guy who took yeah. him to the Super Bowl did the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, it's the way of the world. Um, I see some positives to it. Um, the Eagles certainly see some positives to it. Um, and I kind of agree with the Eagles from this perspective. And I've said this a number of times. I've written it a number of times. Well, the cost benefit analysis is you can't prepare as you would like anyway. So get to the games as healthy as possible. That's sort of what the decision is. And I kind of agree with that decision, to be honest. I mean, you can't do it anyway, so you might as well have your best players as healthy as possible. Well, yeah, you and I will separate a little bit here. Um, Again, in comparison to all the other teams, you just told me the vast majority of teams, first week of camp, when the longest you can practice on any given day is two hours, the majority of the league will be going two hours. And yeah. some may go two hours and 15 minutes and find their pocket picked by the league because they pushed the envelope and went over the stopwatch time that there's an NFL player rep at every single camp who's watching it. That's why two teams within the division got fined this offseason because they went a couple minutes over. If the Eagles come back at an hour and 20 minutes and other teams are doing two hours, then, yeah, as an Eagle fan, as a member of the Eagles media, I'm allowed here to sit here and go, well, I'm oh, not yeah, sure this allowed. is the right way you're, to handle you're, things. You're, you're, you're every, everybody should question it. I'm not, it's by no means settled science, which is an oxymoron anyway. Um, you know, but the, people act like it's settled, but there's no people in Philadelphia act like it's settled. Like they have, you know, there's, they have this secret key to keeping people playing. No, you don't. I mean, it's just luck more than anything else. Luck and yeah. I'm, I'm more likely to, you know, not get hurt sitting in this chair with you, Jody, than I am when I'm taking my half hour walk a little bit later, you know, everything ramps up, you know, when you got to go out of the house, you're more likely to be injured than if you're sitting here, but who knows? It could even happen here. You get my point. Um, as far uh, just one thing though, when teams do get uh, fined, like Jerry Jones and uh, not Jerry, uh, Mike McCarthy and Ron Rivera, they generally get fined for too much contact. It's not about the timing. The timing you can kind of tweak a little bit because you can have guys out there. You can pretend you're teaching them on the field they're doing extra work blah 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 you kind of tweak that they're not going to complain too much about that but if there's too much contact if you start 
bumping people around on days two through five, that's where you're going to get smacked. And don't kid yourself. I was not kidding when I said there is a representative there from the Players Association for every practice, and they are taking notes on how much contact, as Johnny Mac just uh, correctly stated, or the exact time of when practice starts and when it's going to happen. Oh, they take this stuff very, very seriously. That's why the Cowboys and the Commanders were fined because, yes, they they took liberties with what they could do, uh, both physically and on a clock. Yeah, they, they, that's the new NFL world. That's yeah. the new CBA. The players always end up losing on the money end. They always want more and settle for less and or no uh, increase. Oh, but they get to practice less. They get to work less. They get the same money and they let, put in less hours for it. The question is, will it lend itself to lesser football when the season starts come September? All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Got a good one planned for you. Started all Eagles. We will get into the National Football League a little bit later. Big trade. Well, a pretty big trade. I don't know how I should categorize it. Is Baker Mayfield going to be any good for the Carolina Panthers? We'll debate that a little bit later. Got a good guy to come on and talk about it. Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network is going to join us in hour number two. Philly guy. Uh, but we got a Philly guy to jump in hour number one as well. Seamus Clancy from phillyvoice.com is going to jump in with us here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them up. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac here with number 365. We had another Philly guy in for the mix. We're going to talk to the deputy editor. I got to find out exactly what that means. Of uh, phillyboys.com. Seamus <laughs> Clancy joins us here on Birds 365. I'm the number two over there. That's what deputy is. Number two. That That's all. It's just that plain and simple. Fancy words, but yeah. the bottom line is I'm number two. That's what. Yeah, let's get on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got to prop it up. Deputy sounds yeah. better than number two. It sounds more exciting. Come there on, you go. Sammy. It's good Old to West see you, style. Seamus. Uh, good to see yeah. you guys. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, thrilled to have you. I guess we'll start because I, you know, I woke up yesterday. I didn't expect all these crazy proclamations, but I got a bunch of them. And I, okay. it leads me down the road of expectations. And that's what I want to ask you about. Because the expectations are really ramping up here in the dead period as we get closer to training camp. I got some Quez Watkins. Jody knows this. It's better than Tyler Boyd. I got I got Kenny Gainwell's <laughs> going to be a star running back. I got, whoo, people are going overboard, Seamus. Do you think it's going to affect the team at all? People look at the dream team back in 2011. They compare it to Miles Sanders quotes. Jalen Hurts calls it rat poison, um, which can be good or bad. You know, people patting you on the back or too much criticism could work both ways. You think this affects this kind of stuff affects the players or it's kind of overblown? I didn't love the Miles Sanders comment, especially coming from a guy who's probably not, you know, one of the top three or four options offensively, too. So I thought that was an odd situation. I guess comparing it to the Dream Team comment, Vince Young was the backup quarterback yeah. and said that, right? So it, Again, it might seem like a little uh, situation of a guy speaking out of his place. And then I don't know if you guys saw, A.J. Brown chimed in on Twitter yeah. and quote tweeted yeah. a report uh, of Sanders' initial proclamation and played it down pretty well. Something that you'd love, really like to see, even though a guy who hasn't played a single game, single snap at Midnight Green yet, kind of being a leader in a way, at least uh, vocally on social media, to kind of quell those fires because, you know, in Philadelphia amongst Eagles fans, Philly sports fans, the, the, the dream team is something that lives in absolute infamy. And for the all-star team, obviously it's not maybe as crazy or as outrageous as dream team, but definitely brought up those vibes. And that was instantly what I thought of and likely what you guys thought of and most Eagles fans thought of when they heard that. Now, does it really play a role into the, how the players perform? I don't really know, right? What, what's your guys' take on that? I don't think it necessarily – there's always going to be expectations for, for teams, for individuals – I mean, uh, A.J. Brown has had expectations every year in his career, right? Jalen Hurts has had expectations every year in his career. They don't necessarily correlate immediately to this team has to win 11, 12, 13 games and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, But there's expectations on everyone every game, every season. So I don't think that's going to bleed in too much. I think the uh, John wrote on Philly Voice a couple weeks back, the the coaching continuity in this organization going from year one to year two, having that same core nucleus here, 
is going to make a huge difference. And as a team that didn't have expectations last year, had a little bit of a rough going, but rounded themselves out and made a surprise playoff berth, I think having that organizational mandate and influence in place already with Sirianni and his staff will do wonders to help quell any concerns about there being outsized expectations, letting the media and the fan base's expectations affect what's actually going on on the field. Seamus, I think your point about who said it is quite important. Uh, yes, Miles Sanders said what he said, and then A.J. Brown tried to uh, walk it back a little bit and did a nice job of it. Well, two days ago on uh, with NFL Media, Lane Johnson said, I think we've got a great roster. What's the difference between being a team of all-stars and we have a great roster? Yeah, a little bit, but he also added thereafter that we still have to go out and play, which is the exact way you put a quote like that out is you qualify it a little bit. And the reason why it doesn't get near as much attention is because it's Lane Johnson. He's a Pro Bowl guy. He's allowed to say that. He's been there and done that. Miles Sanders is still trying to prove himself, and it's going to be a huge year for him because it is the last year of his contract. If it had been uh, Jason Kelsey that said that, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye. Do you? No, I think it's different. I think the all-star has a buzzword connotation with it that's more gossipy and headliney rather than just saying we have a great roster, right? If, if Lane Johnson said that three weeks ago, I'm not even sure we would remember that because it's sort of a blasé comment. And I like that he put a qualifier there and maybe Miles kind of a learning experience for him in terms of talking to the media, speaking out, hyping up himself and his teammates. Yeah, but if it's a situation where it's a Super Bowl hero, a guy who's been through through wars and come out victorious like Jason Kelsey or Lane Johnson, guys that have uh, not just made pro ball teams, but all pro teams in their career have won Super Bowls, have been on the greatest <laughs> roster in uh, Eagles history. I think that speaks a little bit different than Miles Sanders, who, while a town and players had some success in his career, is, you know, not an all-star, not a pro baller, not this type of player that uh, essentially being relied upon to speak up in these situations and, you know, take the temperature of the fan base. Uh, I want to bring up Seamus, Jimmy's, one of Jimmy's latest uh, pieces, our buddy Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Boys. Um, He was sort of breaking down what Jalen Hurts needs to do to be the Eagles quarterback in 2023. So moving forward, not just this year, obviously he's going to be the quarterback this year. And I found it interesting for a couple reasons. One, because he went down the entire list of quarterbacks, projected starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And he used the term prime meridian. I always use demarcation line on, on, on this show. But it's interesting. We land on the same guy. I tell Jody, Jody can tell you all the time. I say, Kirk Cousins, he's the guy. He's probably better than your quarterback if you're a fan watching this show. But he's probably not good enough to win with. So to me, he's the guy. He's the guy. I put Derek Carr in that category as well. Pretty darn good quarterback, but you probably know everything's got to be perfect for you to win with those guys. Jimmy put Jalen Hurts right behind Kirk Cousins. Now, so I think it was 14-15. Now, there's potential. There's potential to get better. But if you look at those top 14 names on Jimmy's list, on most people's list, boy, it's tough to get Jalen Hurts. It's tough to believe he's going to get better than that group. There's a couple guys. Can he get better? You know, Mac Jones, I probably wouldn't have had up that high. Jimmy had him higher. Um, But there's a couple guys lower, I might say. They've done more than Jalen Hurts. 
Where are you with Jalen Hurts? I mean, is can he get? Is there a ceiling to where he can get up in that top ten? Because that top ten is pretty stinking impressive in this league. Yeah, I don't think a top ten is really necessarily realistic. I think a situation where he could be top twelve, top thirteen. You know, Jimmy had Kirk Cousins at fifteen, fourteen, sixteen, or so there. I think there's a situation that come, you know, four or five months from now. Jerry and Hertz is ahead of that prime meridian, but not necessarily a guy he had ahead of. Uh, if you remember in the article, Dak Prescott he had as a guy that was bold. Yeah. And they're saying that, you know, if you have a guy above this, you know, hand him whatever contract he wants, do whatever you want. It's a, it's a long-term marriage. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is really going to get to that this specific season or really ever maybe in terms of being a top 10 quarterback. But I think a situation where he's a top 12 or 13 quarterback is fairly realistic. And it's a situation where you spoke about Derek Carr, who I like. I think I like him more than most people. Uh, he needs the perfect roster around him to have a chance to truly, truly contend for a Super Bowl. And I'm not, I'm not Miles Sanders here saying the Eagles have, a, have an all-star team, uh, but this is a really great roster in place and one offensively that should suit Jalen Hurts better than almost anything he could find out there, given the new talent wide receiver, the top three wide receivers, the top the best three wide receivers in terms of you know, a rotation, a top three set that the Eagles have had in a long, long time, I think. Maybe, I guess, since um, Deshaun Jackson, Jason Avon, and Jeremy Macklin, perhaps. I think that would be a fair comparison there. Uh, offensive line made the case. It was the best offensive line in the NFL last year. Rushing attack, even though you don't have necessarily a superstar running back back there, this true, true three-down bell cow back, uh, was still a prolific rushing attack, the best in the NFL, and one of the best, if not the best, in Eagles history. And the defense looks improved, right? They were second to last in the NFL in sacks last season. Add some pass rushing talent. Made some moves on the outside of cornerback to bolster themselves. They're still a little weak at safety, but not every team's going to have absolutely zero holes on there, right? Even if they are on a path towards contention. So I don't think Jay, uh, Jalen Hurts is necessarily a guy that we're going to be comparing to Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert for the next half dozen years or something along those lines as guys from that 2020 quarterback class. But at the same time, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he could be the 12th best quarterback in the league and that could be happening as soon as this january and the eagles are hosting a home playoff game and i think he has the the guts the skills the legs and the intangibles there to win a playoff game at home if that's the situation that uh comes to play and i agree with jimmy there's no true statistical benchmark here that's going to make everyone say like oh jalen hurts hit his 28th touchdown pass this year and he only has nine interceptions he eclipsed 3800 passing yards that means he's the guy it's just, it's just not that simple. It's more of a feel. It's a vibe. I guess that's more the intangible that kind of speaks to a little bit of the way that Hertz is propped up as this guy with outstanding intangibles. But it's going to be really – it's going to be either obvious or not obvious whether this guy is, you know, the true captain going forward, I think. Seamus, uh, another one of our buds, like your guy, Jimmy Kemsky, Ruben uh, Frank over yeah. at NBC uh, Sports, uh, Philly Sports, uh, had a great stat in his column this week <laughs> about – Run, runners in the National Football League last year with uh, runs of 10 yards or more. Jalen Hurts was fourth in the NFL, only behind Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. He had more 10-yard runs than every other player in the National Football League, except for those three. If the Eagles become what we think they're going to become, which more is more of a passing team, you add A.J. Brown, to a lesser extent, you add Zach Pascal. Otherwise, you're bringing back your same wide receivers on Moss. You're adding two upgraded options and keeping everybody else. Yeah, you expect the Eagle passing game 
more yardage, more throws, more success through the air than you had last year. But if that's the case, something needs to lose out. Something's going to be leaned on less. And we all believe it's going to be Jalen Hurts and when he takes off and makes plays with his eggs, either by design or by impromptu action of the quarterback himself. Some of those plays were pretty darn important for the Eagles last year, moving chain uh, quarterback runs that helped the Eagles keep the ball and move it down the field and score points. Is there any concern for you that, yes, they're going to throw the ball more. They'll be better throwing the ball. Jalen Hurts is going to throw for more yards. He's going to throw for more touchdowns. But the big plays that he made with his legs won't be as big a part this year. Does that concern you at all? I think we'll see less design runs for Jalen Hurts, but it's if, if it's in those high-leverage situations, he's dropping back. It's third and six. They're at the 39-yard line. No one's open first, second, third. We aren't there, and he tucks it down and gets nine, ten yards. I still think that's going to happen from time to time, though I think the situation where he's lining up in the shotgun, doing some sort of read option, that's going to happen less. He has 784 rushing yards uh, in 2021. I was looking at some over-unders, did a little article on that last week on his projected stats going into this year. I think the rushing yards were set at 725. I went slightly under. I'm taking him somewhere around. I said 707 was the number I pulled out for that. And I think it's going to be a situation where he's having less design runs, but there's still going to be plays and situations where he has that impact on the ground with these, those legs, and especially if you're getting situations where it's third or even fourth down back there. Uh, Seamus, I want to go um, sort of to the theme of, of, of expectations, and I want you to throw those expectations out the door, but I want you to tell me who the most underrated player on this team you think is as we head towards training camp and the most overrated player on this team as we head towards training camp is there a chance Brandon Graham could be underrated giving all of his accolades yes I say it all the time I say it all the time maybe in the historical hierarchy for Eagles Hmm. there's a lot of great Eagles defensive linemen over the years but in the sense that he was out for for the the majority of last season. Goes down with that Achilles tear in Week Two home game against San Francisco, and was a huge hole in the running game as much as it was in the passing game. I think Brandon Graham has been for years one of the best run stopping defensive ends yep. out there, uh, as well as a guy who's getting constantly, constantly getting pressures and hurries back there. Uh, you know, made his first Pro Bowl team in twenty twenty, even at the age of what that was his thirty two year age season. And I think uh, having a season where the pass rush was depleted, yes, they had some really good talent on the inside of defensive tackle, but on the edge, uh, Josh had a nice campaign, has a nice new contract. But again, they were the set, had the second fewest amount of sacks in the NFL. And I think having Brandon Graham coming back in that picture, adding in a guy, it's almost like you have two big time free agents coming in, in the sense where Brandon Graham is back for a full year. I know it's hard, they're older yards, hard to come back from injuries, and the Achilles injury is a particularly rough one. The same, same uh, line of thinking, I'm never going to be one who counts Brandon Graham out of anything. Uh, so I think having there with Hassan Reddick should make for a nice mix and bolster that pass rush. That's for overrated. Um, I don't want to keep you know throwing uh, stuff down the line at Miles Sanders. Maybe in the sense that <laughs> the way people talk about him, in, and I think it's not necessarily about Miles as more as it might be about fantasy football or gambling yeah. or those yeah. things that like that, yeah. given that, hey, he was a second-round pick. It's obviously – a super down and player can break off those 60, 70 yard gains with relative ease, even though he might not be the best guy to get you a tough four or five, six yards. 
I think there's some expectations based on him because of that, because he's playing in an area where he went to Penn State College. I think that plays a role for him. And I think it's less about himself and more about uh, the way people and fans, even more casual fans, uh, evaluate skill position players from this fantasy football perspective and things like that. You know, he's not going to guy that's necessarily going to have seven, eight touchdowns a year. He had zero rushing touchdowns last year. It could be a situation this year where maybe he only has three or four. I love the two choices, by the way. Jody knows. I think Brandon Graham is one of the most underrated players in Eagles history and Philadelphia sports history uh, because he doesn't get sacks. He's never had 10 sacks. He's not a finisher. And people don't realize how good of an all-around player he's been for the Eagles for a long time now. And then with Miles Sanders, I just wrote about this, Seamus. I'm like – I started after his rookie season. Everybody went nuts with Miles Sanders. Like, yeah, and I remember. I think it was a little unfair that he, as yeah. good as he was as a pass catcher, and that yeah. was 2019. I don't think that was really true to who he is as a player. Yeah. And I think having yeah. a a pretty good surprising rookie season, uh, I wouldn't say worked in his against him in, on the field, but in terms of perception and expectation, it, it did work against him. Yeah, I remember getting attacked on social media because I said Christian McCaffrey. Remember, at the time, Christian was still healthy and maybe the best all-around back in football. And Dalvin Cook were way better than Miles Sanders. And people attacked me like you wouldn't believe. And I was like, yeah, these people are nuts. And now I'm to the point where now I think Miles is a little underrated because people have have kind of put him off to the side. I said, no, he's a good back. He's a good player. He's just not. And, and, And then I brought this up to Jody as well. There are no bell cow backs anymore. There were two 1,250-yard backs in the NFL last year in the first 17-game season in history. So more games than ever, right? It was Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb was at 1,259. That's it. That's it. And people are expecting a 1,300, 1,400-yard season out of Miles Sanders. Now part of it was Derrick Henry got hurt. Dalvin Cook missed a couple games. So there's about four or five guys that can get in that range. Of, of over 1250 and the Taylors and the Henry's are going to go way above it. I'm not saying it's extinct, but that bell cow back, it's an endangered species and people expect Miles Sanders to get 13 or 1400 yards. That ain't happening. doesn't mean he's yeah. not a good player though. Yeah. I can see if, it'd be a great season if he went for, let's say 850 rushing yards and had, you know, 4.6, 4.7 yards per carry. I think that'd be an unbelievable season for him. The way the Eagles use the variety of running backs, that's a hallmark of Nick Sirianni going back to his time yeah, in, in the Indianapolis under Frank Reich there. Yeah. I think you're going to still see a healthy amount of Boston sky. I think they love Kenny Gainwell. I think, you know, he had what five or six touchdowns as a rookie, surprisingly, even though he had, maybe uh, 70 or 80, 90 touches for the entire season. Good rate in terms of getting into the end zone, right? So I think it's a situation where Miles Sanders is more of a situational or complimentary piece, and that isn't necessarily a shot at him, but just who he is as a player in the way that the modern NFL has evolved. And again, we're thinking the Eagles are going to throw the ball a little bit more. He missed some time last year. And when it, coincidentally, uh, when he missed some time, that's actually when the Eagles shifted to this uber-efficient, rush-heavy offense, too. Yeah, and Boston Scott had an even better touch-to-touchdown rate than yeah. uh, Kenny Gainwell did, and his was damn good. All right, James, I want to ask you about a, uh, one of Brandon's renomates on the defensive line, and that's the big guy, Fletcher Cox. Coming into this season in a different position, in a different mindset than he ever has before, the Eagles released Fletcher Cox this past offseason. 
He was released for about 48 hours and I got a contract redone. But he was actually out there on the open market. And if he wanted to, if it was uh, not a an area where they could bridge the gap pretty quick and get something done, it might have gotten even more interesting. But by the time they released him, turned around and signed him, uh, you blinked, you missed it. But he did get released. And he is on a one-year deal. Good one-year deal, $14 million. Nothing to sneeze at, but it's a one-year deal. What do you think Fletcher's mindset is coming into this season? Different role on the defensive line, adding Jordan Davis. We know the defense coordinator is going to go to some different looks. Last year, Fletcher wasn't always buying into everything that Jonathan Gannon was selling. What do you think Fletcher's mindset is here at the start of 2022? I think he might be a little slighted. I don't mean that as necessarily a, a gripe that he should truly have with the Eagles organization, but contract situation was a little odd. Obviously, he's back. He wasn't on the market long, like you said. So I think there was an understanding that he was always going to end up in Philadelphia this season. Uh, once more, whether that's true for 2023 or beyond that, that's up for debate, and we'll see after the season. Uh, I think it's a situation where – uh, you know, they bring in Javon Hargrave, who had a Pro Bowl season last year. They had they drafted Melton Williams on day two of the 2020 draft, uh, kind of a, a guy who tested really well athletically. And especially the way he came on late in the season, I have high hopes for him as a, a rotational or co- a contributor for not just this year, but in 2023 and even 2024 for him in Philadelphia. And then obviously talk about Flood, you called Fletcher Cox the big guy. I didn't know if you were talking about him or the, the big, big guy in Jordan Davis there. And uh, not a slight to Fletcher, but it could be a situation come October, November, where in reality, he's the third best defensive tackle on the team behind Hargrave, who's in his prime, and Jordan Davis, who's this ascending talent, was the best player in the best college defense I've ever seen last year. Yeah, Jody, Jody will like that, uh, the, when he, especially when you go to the third round more than Jordan Davis. But uh, the Yeah, best by the way, the best college football player on the best defense you've ever seen last year is also on the Eagles. Uh, He's going to be their starter, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they're they're five first round picks from that uh, uh, college defense. But we'll we'll go on. I, you know, you and uh, you and Evan did something. Godspeed, by the way. <laughs> Rating every single. I guess the latest one was every single defensive back in Eagles history. So number one. Uh, well, number one was Brian Dawkins. I, I think that's pretty obvious. So you yeah. guys got that one right. But I'm more interested in how much hate you got from this, number one. And then uh, how long did it put you guys take you guys to put that together? Every If you're wondering, by the way, Tim Hawk, how my buddy, the former safeties coach, number 43, uh in in the greatest Eagles defensive backs of all time, forty three. How how long is the list? One hundred sixty seven. Oh, it was. Uh, you had to play a minimum of fifty games, I believe, was the cutoff. 50, we did. Okay, that's fifty good. or so. What? Wait, it was seventy. Seventy. The, the, the cutoff we did was to make sure Nandi Asuma made the list. So whatever number <laughs> he played, uh, just so I could rank him last. I don't think he came in last on the entire ranking because we're aggregating. Uh, I got it. I got it pulled up. Right Nandi was sixty seven. Seamus out of what seventy uh, three. 78. Uh, 78. Dominic Rogers Cromarty was number 78. I think I had him second to last on mine. Um, Did he play that many games with the Eagles? Yeah, so he would have played 2010 for sure, right? Uh, no, 2011 because he got traded that offseason after, you know, for Kevin Cobb that year. Uh, and then I guess 2012 and, you know, 16, 
games. Yeah, that sounds about right, right? What did you say the minimum you had to play was? 50. However many Nandi played. <laughs> and, 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 so it's uh, about like about two years worth of games, I would say. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. So, so uh, Carrie Williams uh, got oh. spent in between shopping for sconces, finished number six. Frustrating. Frustrating. Uh, like Brandon Boykin, he had that one big year. He only made it to 46. Uh, Rasul was 48, uh, doing a great job in Green Bay. Uh, Mark McMillan, 38. Uh, you see Mark still around doing some media stuff. Um, then we get into the top 20. Uh, you know, the, the one we've done, that was definitely the most, uh, obviously you're combining positions between cornerbacks and safeties and there was yeah. multiple of the field of time because we, we ranked quarterbacks uh, after the first few uh, are way spared. And I'd say the same for when we did running backs and wide receivers after the first uh, couple of big names that dropped off precipitously. Uh, but I think the defensive back group, and especially, you know, showing my age, I'm 28. Uh, when I grew up and started watching the Eagles find the NFL, the Eagles defensive back crew, they almost had two different eras uh, in terms of the Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor cornerback era, and then what you saw yeah. with Leader Shepard and Sheldon Brown. Uh, for most of my, my early life watching football, the Eagles were absolutely stacked right. in the secondary room. Yeah, it wasn't that case before. The, the one <laughs> yeah. I'd have a problem, the one – because there's a lot of recency buys with these. Everybody sure. does these things, and sure. that's just how it works out. Uh, Bill Bradley, and Rube will tell you this, that's a great, great player. He should be way above 13. I had him uh, fifth on – we did individual list. He was fifth yeah. on mine behind – Your list is right. Your list is yeah. right. Bill was So I had Brian player. Dawkins. Uh, Eric Allen was my number two. I think he uh, is the player with the most interceptions in NFL history without being in the Hall of Fame, someone who should definitely be in that. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Rube has even more stats than that on Eric Allen. Uh, I think I had Malcolm Jenkins at number three, placing some emphasis on uh, postseason success, kind of being the, the heart and soul of that team that won the capture the first Super Bowl in franchise history. I had Troy Vincent, number four, a guy I grew up watching and I thought was unbelievable. Uh, and then number five, I had Bill Bradley, uh, you know, showing some respect for my elders there a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, Bill I, I don't have the list in front of me. You got to tell me. Where's my guy, Herm Edwards? Where did Herm I think he was, I think uh, was 12th or 13th. 12th. He 12th was right 13th. ahead of Bill okay. Bradley. Now, yeah. I love Herm as well, Jody, but Bill Bradley's got to be ahead of, of I, Herm. I, On an I, Eagles list. I wouldn't Eagles. argue that. I just wanted to see if Herm got his proper ranking and respect because uh, he's, he's certainly become more well-known as either a commentator and or a coach after the fact Herman Williams, uh, Herman Edwards was a damn good football was a good player, player, above and yeah. beyond the miracle at the medal. Yeah, just be a. I think he's just known as a bit player because of that play, and that's incorrect, though, right? No, oh, yeah. um, he's a yeah, guy who was successful for right. a long period of time. Thirty-three and, you know, interceptions, Herman Edwards as yeah. an Eagle. Thirty-three. That's a big number. All right, now, so let's let's look at this year's Eagles DB starting at the corner, which is the brighter of the two positions. James Bradbury's addition. Before he was ever released by the Giants, when it was a un, uh, not well kept secret, the Giants were thinking about moving on. I had been hyping up up for the yeah. Eagles and saying, if this guy becomes available, someone the Eagles absolutely should make a play for. Even though I thought they could have and should have kept Stephen Nelson, they didn't. So you knew that there was an opening at the cornerback position. Got a good, solid, above average one year deal, but only a one year deal. How's he going to pay? Uh, pair with Darius Slay. How does the Eagles secondary look specifically at cornerback for you, Seamus, as compared to the rest of the NFL going into the season? 
I wouldn't say they have like a, a top five unit or anything like that. I know you see those lists always on Instagram and Twitter coming from Pro Football Reference or uh, Pro Football Focus or someone making a, a random list. But I think Avante Maddox as having a full season as a true slot cornerback last year, I think he was deserving of that contract extension he got. I thought he was a really quality player. And, you know, the way the NFL has changed, a, a nickel cornerback, a slot cornerback is as much of a starter in today's NFL as an outside cornerback there. And I think Darius Slay, I was someone who necessarily didn't love the trade in the, the 2020 offseason. I think he really underwhelmed in 20, the 2020 season, even to start the 2021 season. But the guy, uh, you know, he, he doesn't like being called Darius. He likes to be calling Slay. He likes to be calling big play Slay. That guy made big plays all season long, uh, huge plays that completely shifted, uh, I think, at least three games the Eagles won, talking about the Carolina game, the Denver game, and the New Orleans game. Uh, last one from me, Seamus. You can follow him on Twitter, Seamus underscore Clancy. Read him at phillyboys.com, uh, deputy editor there. Um, safety. I think the Eagles are fine at corner as long as people stay healthy. And then you have some questions about the depth, but they have enough young bodies that maybe they can cobble things together. Safety is the one sort of glaring weakness. They tried to band-aid late band-aid uh, with Chikwaski Tart. Do you think they've done enough at safety? Are you comfortable with them saying, all right, between the three, Tart, Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, they should be able to put something together that will at least be competent on, on the back end? I have one reader who must detest Marcus Epps because I think I wrote something positively about a month or so ago saying, I think the Eagles are really high on Marcus Epps. That's why they haven't oh, they are. made some big move. Yeah. And someone was like, just got really angry that I gave Marcus Epps any sort of uh, praise. But I do wonder if it's a situation I compare it to the 2017 offseason in training camp in August. The Eagles swing a trade for Ronald Darby, a cornerback from Buffalo at the time. I wonder if it's a situation where Come August, the Eagles maybe have an injury or something that happens on, you know, not necessarily wishing upon something like that, but whether it's in these joint practices, they feel like they're getting exposed at safety, whether it's in the preseason games, I could see maybe a, uh, an August trade for maybe a guy who's a little bit more competent back there uh, to study maybe more of a veteran presence, but I think they're okay. As I said earlier, you can't have zero holes complete on your roster unless you're, you know, the Buffalo Bills maybe in, in a situation like that. So I think it's fine. It's okay. If there's going to be one weak hole, uh, I think I'd rather be be safety than wide receiver or defensive line or something like that at this this certain point in time. All right, Seamus, last one for me. And feel free to jot this down if you need to. Okay. Uh, I think you got enough brain power <laughs> under that somewhat. Is this going to be math, Jody? Uh, no, math? not at all. Um, uh, what What's the logo on the hat there, Seamus? Uh, it's a X-Men logo. Oh, yeah, on Twitter. You do that stuff all the time. You're a... A Marvel guy, yeah. Yeah, my, actually, my daughter tries to keep me up to speed with that stuff, and it goes oh, right it's over too my much. head. It's even if you're a hardcore fan, it's hard to keep up with it. So no yeah, worries. Really, there. Yeah, yeah, I got no shot whatsoever. But you got to keep up with me here. I'm going to throw you out a list of names, and you're going to have to do some handicapping of both players and the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. Uh, Fletcher Grock, Jason Hargrave, Bradbury, Kaiser White, T.J. Edwards, Anthony Harris, Jaquiski Tart. Your boy Epps, Epsy, um, and then on the uh, other side of the ball, we got Dillard, Isaac Samalu, uh, Miles, uh, Brandon Scott, uh, Boston Scott, Toomey, Zach Pascal, and uh, Gardner Minshew. All these players have one thing in common: 
they're on the last year of their contracts. We know Howie Roseman likes to get ahead of the game. He likes to do the extensions. You mentioned the Avante Maddox extension, which I think was very well done, timed, uh, figured out money-wise, and will be a major plus for the Eagles. Howie likes to do that, get that contract done in season. Which of those guys will be the first one? that the Eagles, if they get any done, and they use, they almost always get some done, so assuming they get at least one or two done, which one do you think is the guy that will play well enough the Eagles will be motivated to get a contract extension done with and a guy that the Eagles like enough that they go, all right, this is a guy we want to put into the fold going forward? Throw comparison back to the 2017 season. The Eagles sign a former Pro Bowl player on a one-year deal who is looking for more money than that, more years than that. Alshon Jeffrey, one-year deal, comes in the season, has an immediate impact. He's in his prime. He gets that contract extension. Yep. I think the same could happen with James Bradbury, a guy who was an all-pro, a guy who was probably looking for more money and more years than when he got this offseason, given when he was released. He wasn't on the market actively at the beginning of free agency. And it's a situation where the Eagles are doing well. It's September, October. They're stacking up wins. The defense is looking good. He seems like an extension candidate. I like it. That one absolutely fits. Uh I'm going with Epsi. You're an Epsi yeah, guy. Like Johnny's like an Epsi guy. I'm an Epsi guy. I'm saying Epsi is the guy they get done first. Because Bradbury, they may need some more time because it's going to be a bigger deal. Epsi, yeah. I think they could get done to a nice little extension. But I like your Bradbury suggestion. It may well be the guy. Uh, always a pleasure. Clance, appreciate you coming on. Um, you got to keep, you got to send me one of those marble hats so I could impress my daughter or tell me where I can get one. Uh, okay. Uh, Gotta get, gotta get my daughter happy. Thanks for coming out with us today, and we'll certainly get you on when uh, camp opens up. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Seamus Clancy, deputy sports editor, aka number two at Philly. Bulls. Number two was that Austin Powers, Robert Wagner. Number two. Number, number two. two. Ooh, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, made the Austin Powers reference in quite some time. Can't go wrong with Austin Powers. All right, he's John McMone. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll come back. I'll run that by John. Uh, we got Jameis's answer. Who will the Eagles be looking to extend? They've got a lot of players who are on the final year of their contract, and that is, as John wrote this week, Eagle DNA. Their DNA is, when in doubt, revert to the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line. Another thing that I would call Eagle DNA, since Harry Roseman got back his big chair, and even before he lost his uh, big chair for a short period of time to Chip Kelly, He's always been a guy who's been very attuned to getting an eagle-friendly contract done ahead of time before someone reaches free agency. Who's in the eagle mix for that this year? Johnny Mac and I will uh, chat that up when we come back here on Birds 365.
Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake them up. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, your Mega Max Works 365 guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. This is Birds 365. And Johnny Mac, what are we going to ask all 154 of our uh, streamers right now to do? You got to like, you got to like us, number one, but also share and subscribe, Jody McDonald. Like, hit that like button. Yeah, it's not like we're asking you to make a charitable no. donation or anything. You don't yeah, have to go no. into your pocket. All you got to do is push a stinking button to give us a little love here. And Johnny needs it. He's I do it. need it. He I does. Do. It's a little uh, dreary today. A little, you know. we, yeah, we could all use it as per the weather. But uh, John texted me during the. I can't believe that people are annoyed that I didn't put Jordan oh my God. Oh a my high God, enough Joey. pedestal. And I'm going, wait a minute. I was here. I yeah. listened to Mick Mullen bend over backwards oh my to give Lord. this kid credit. And you're telling me you got some social media response that because you compared him to V to Vea, that wasn't enough? You didn't um, put him well, on a high I, enough pedestal? It, it was. I think I said the, the social media people here at Jacob Sports put up something I said on the show, which is basically, I think there's about 10 players every year who come into the NFL with, with the potential of Jordan Davis, you know, all pro essentially potential, which is not a lot, <laughs> not a lot, but evidently it's for some people. Now, most people just, 
you know, liked it and were hyped up about it. There were other people. Ten? Really? Do you think there's ten people like Jordan Davis in, in, in the NFL draft? And I'm like, you think that's an insult? I'm looking around. I, I just, you know, and that's where I get. It was just weird, and I talked about, I texted you about Quez Watkins. There's people telling me Quez Watkins is better than Tyler Boyd on Cincinnati, who has been a really good receiver in this league now for a real long time. Well, he's got Joe Burrow. He was a two-time 1,000-yard receiver before Joe Burrow showed up yeah. in Cincinnati. Um, he's good. And Quez Watkins has done. Give me the. Give me this, Jody. Zip. Yeah, he had a nice season as a wide receiver two, as a wide receiver three, because Cincinnati was able to get Jamar Chase, and they have T. Higgins. Now, granted, he's got Joe Burrow. Tyler Board puts up bigger numbers as a wide receiver three. He's a great route road. People have no idea, and it's not fair to Quez Watkins by the way, to expect him to be um, uh, Tyler Boyd. It's absurd. And this is where I think the expectations are getting out of control. The other one is Kenny Gainwell. I mean, Kenny Gainwell's not going to be the running back on this team. The running back, the RB1, is Miles Sanders. Here's what you hope for with Kenny Gainwell. Improvement and third downs and hurry up. That's what the Eagles want him to be. That's what the Eagles want. And guess what? If Miles Sanders gets hurt again, it's going to be Boston Scott, or they might pick Jordan Howard out of the scrap heap again. It's not going to be Kenny Gainwell as the RB1. He's not that type of guy. He doesn't have the size. He, you know, they think he's going to get banged up. But you have these unrealistic expectations. And I think Kenny, by the way, has a really good chance to be a Austin Eckler type third down back, really effective. But I mean, if you're expecting him to be Nick Chubb, you're, you're going to be disappointed. All right, Stop all right, it. All right, all right. I am 100% with you with Tyler Boyd. That if somebody actually went down that road, what the Oh my God, there was more than one, Joe. They, they, they must be uh, relatives of uh, Quez Watkins. Because, oh, by the way, Quez's, Wat- Quez's numbers are going to go backwards this year. Oh, yeah. You add A.J. Brown to the mix, and your numbers automatically go bra- backwards. You add Zach Pascal, who we know full well is in the eye of the coach, a wide receiver who can do no wrong because he does everything, because he's a jack-all-trade, because he'll give up his body to block, which, sorry, Quez, you're just not big enough. Not saying it's desire. But I just don't know that he's big enough to do the kind of blocking that Zach Pasco could do. His numbers are going backwards. As you laid it out, Tyler Boyd's numbers went backwards as he was replaced by better guys. So, oh, you think AJ Brown's gonna come in here and Quez's numbers are gonna get better? No chance, no shot. But and I'm a Miles Sanders guy. You know, I like Miles. I'm rooting for Miles. I hope you are 100 percent right that Miles Sanders um stays healthy and, and has a productive season. Uh, the staying healthy part does scare me a little bit. And that's why I will say, oh, yeah, you he's... use the perfect comp, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler was the third down back for the, uh, the Chargers. 
he grew to be their number one back. They decided to move away from their number one back when they let Gordon walk out to Denver, saying within the division, as a matter of fact. Um, I don't know that that can't be Kenny Gainwell. That this year, if Miles gets hurt or Miles isn't uh, busting out over 5.5 yards per carry like he did last year, he's actually skimming back a little bit. If Kenny Gainwell is uber productive, Oh, yeah, I think they can move him into the number one back role above a Boston Scott. You know, I like Boston Scott, too. <clears throat> and Jordan Howard's kind of fact, tough to factor him in since he's not even on the roster. You and I both know he's one mm-hmm. phone call away from being on the roster, but he's not actually on the roster right now. So I can't put him ahead of Kenny Gainwell. Oh, there's a chance that Kenny Gainwell, a whole bunch of games this year, could have more touches than any other Eagle back. Well, it would have to come... Uh there's certainly a chance if Miles gets injured, it would have to come with an injury to Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders isn't getting benched by the Eagles. I'm sorry, he's not. He's by far their best running back. They know he's their best running back. There's injury concerns. Uh, He doesn't do certain other things at the position as well as he could, but he is so much more talented than every back they have, including Kenny Gainwell. He is their running back one, and this is where I am with Miles Sanders. Like, I went through this, and I I said it was Seamus as a rookie. I thought people were absurd, and now I think he's underrated because they've kind of written him off. Not everybody, but there's there's a whole group that have written him off. He's still a really good running back, runner more than, and I emphasize runner. Um, now, yeah, can Kenny beat out Boston Scott? I I just know. Look, he's got to get stronger. I think he took that year off. Um, uh, for COVID, I think that hurt him uh, a little bit. Um, right now, the team looks at him as as that third down hurry up back. Um, can he can he burst out of that role? Sure. I mean, Boston Scott's not great. Uh, he's just reliable. Um, so if an injury pops up, yeah, yeah, it's possible. But where where I get derailed. And I say this about Miles, never mind Kenny Gainwell. If you're expecting, again, if you're expecting Nick stinking Chubb, I just explained it. These players don't exist anymore. There were two last year in the biggest NFL season of all time, Jody, 17 games, two. And you're expecting Kenny Gainwell or Miles, never mind Kenny Gainwell, Miles Sanders, or Kenny Gamewell, or Boston Scott, or Jordan Howard, whoever we want to throw out there to be Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor, ain't happening. Ain't happening. No shot, specifically when the Eagles have an offseason in which they add A.J. Brown, and uh, they are not even attempting to disguise the fact that they want to pass the football more this upcoming year than they did last year. That means there's going to be no Nick Chubb here in Philadelphia. Not happening. I got to add, and Nick Sirianni's philosophy as a coach is to use multiple backs as well. So that limits people. Um, They don't want the one sort of bell cow. Uh, Now, when coaches say that, you wonder, do they say that because they don't have it? Or do they say that because they believe it? I tend to lean in the direction of they say it because they don't have it. But nonetheless, you got to throw that on on the pile as well. And this is me handicapping the Eagles more so than the player. But that list I just gave to Seamus, and I'll give to you again now, these are players on the last year of their contract 
currently with the Philadelphia Eagles, which would make them eligible to be in Howie Roseman's crosshairs for a, content, uh, a potential contract extension. Because Howie usually likes to do this. He likes to do it in season. Before a guy gets to free agency, things are going well. The, the good uh, feelings between the organization and the player. Let's talk about a contract, get something done. And then when it's over and done with, you look back and go, hey, that was a pretty good deal how he did as compared to the other guys at their positions around the National Football League. How he likes this. So he's going to do this with some, well, at least one or some of these players. Uh, here are the guys. Fletcher Cox, Jason Hargrave, Bradbury, uh, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, Anthony Harris, Jaquiski Tart, and Marcus Epps. The entire safety group is on the last year of their contract. Wow. Uh, Andre Dillard, Isaac Sayamalu, um, Boston Scott, Miles, uh, and Zach Pascal, and we could even throw Gardner Minshew in, in, but I don't think they do. Gardner might be the one guy that I would rank below Miles Sanders in getting a potential contract extension. Because I just think the Eagles are going to go a different direction, and I don't think Gardner's going to want to just sit here and go, "Oh yeah, okay, I'll I'll back up either Jalen Hurts no, or yeah. the, the no first way. round draft yeah. pick that you're going to take at the quarterback position." No, no. he's going to want to go elsewhere, no matter how much uh, yeah. Howie or anybody in the organization tells Gardner him believes in himself. You don't have to worry about Gardner signing. Right, he's extension. not the the, the non contract extension will be more on the player side than on the Eagles side. But of that list right there, I would put Miles way down at the bottom of it, John. Oh, uh, so would I. I don't but... think the Eagles are going to commit to a running back. I don't think – I think Miles is going to believe in himself, and well he should, that he's going to go out on the open market and there are going to be teams that are, are willing to give him more of a responsibility and or a bigger paycheck. I just think the Eagle philosophy is we ain't paying running backs. It's not no, happening. and I agree with them, and that's one of the reasons why it's you know, uh, it's it's a devalued position as a whole in the NFL, but even more so in Philadelphia. Yeah, they're not paying. They're not, and if, if they do, you know, I've tried. We've talked about this a lot. I've tried to figure out a path where Miles Sanders could be on the Eagles next year because if he does have that thirteen, fourteen hundred yard unrealistic season. He's going to get too much money elsewhere, uh, and they're not going to want to pay him. If he plays poorly and he gets benched for Kenny Gainwell, again, not happening, but for sake of argument, well, the Eagles aren't going to want him. So how is he going to be here? The only way I can figure out is if he gets injured and they talk themselves in, well, let's give him a one-year deal because nobody's interested in him because he's coming off an injury, and maybe he's back from that standpoint, but that's a negative, obviously a negative circumstance that you really don't want to go down. So, yeah, I'm with you. You don't even have to worry about Miles getting the extension. The Chuma, because, you know, people will be interested in it because he's a high-profile player. It's not going to happen. Um, to me, it comes down to Javon Hargrave. You know, what do you do with him? He's a more difficult one. What you said before with Sheamus is, is, is you hit the nail on the head. Think about last year. Jordan got done first. Uh, Josh Sweat got done second. Then I believe Goddard and Maddox were back-to-back -back in November. So, you know, that was a little bit um, sort of – it was easier with Mylotta and Sweat than Goddard. It's going to be easier with Marcus Epps and TJ Edwards than Javon Hargrave. 
So if you're asking me first, it's probably going to be Epsi. Epsi. Or, 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 or going to get extended. Or TJ. Because TJ's got to get extended again as well. Um, so those two, uh, Epsi or TJ. See, and um, if we're going to use TJ, and oh, by the way, you're right. I know you sing his praises all the time, even though I was the guy here on Birds 3625 who said, why don't they give this guy a contract extension? And within two weeks, they'd given him a contract extension. Well, they uh, did, and they did. They just wiped out his restricted year, you know, which is – they gave him the money early. Right. He wasn't under contract. Yeah. He yeah. was under control, but he wasn't yeah. under contract. The Eagles put him under contract, so that's considered a contract extension. And uh, I thought it was a an excellent move at the time. But now looking back at it, should they have attempted to go with a multi-year contract for T.J. Edwards? I know that the every team, this is not just an Eagle thing, this is every team in the National Football League, love the flexibility of just the one-year deal and the ability to just move on and go in another direction. But the Eagles themselves go multi-year contracts on other guys. Dallas Goddard, uh, Monte, they go. It's not like they never give anyone a multi-year contract. They do it for specific people. Should they have gone multi-year with Edwards? Um, I, I, it was different because he was undrafted. They didn't have to. <clears throat> Bottom line, um, you know, those guys were going to be unrestricted. So there's more of an impetus. Worst case scenario, he would have been restricted. You could just bring him back with the tender. Um, and they just gave him that. Essentially, they gave him the second round tender early. Um, so it was more of a bookkeeping thing. Uh, but now he's in the position as an undrafted guy. He's in the position that as drafted guys, Jordan, Josh, Avante, and Dallas were last year. Now he's in that position. He's scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent next year. So now there's more of an impetus to get the multi-year deal done if they want to get it done. They don't want to get it done. You know, there's not an impetus. But All right, but you're dodging my question here. He had the season that he had. They could have when they did the, uh, as you, you don't want to call it an extension or uh, describe it any way you want. You're right. He couldn't have walked away. They still had control of him but they didn't have him under contract. They could have done a multi-year deal. They probably didn't know he was going to be able to rack up as many tackles as he did in the second half of the season. And now his, uh, his production level is what it is. Should they have added another year on there? If now everything is a negotiation, they don't just dictate to Edwards what he's going to play for. So it would have had to been a uh, contract. And yes, he would have been, his agent would have been negotiating a potential unrestricted year out there. Did the Eagles miss the boat? Not uh, making it a. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I have to look into this. I don't think they could have given him a multi-year extension because of the CBA Um, because he was undrafted. Again, it's a different, there's rules. Um, Really? You don't think they could have given him a multi-year deal? No, because he was, remember, he was 2019, uh, 2020, and he's in 2021. So last year was his third season. So he was just had two years accrued. Uh, for instance, we talk about Jalen Hurts entering his third season. He's not eligible until after the season right. as a drafted player. I believe undrafted guys 
you can wipe out the 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 years you have control. So in other words, the Eagles still have control because you you're an exclusive rights free agent, then you're an restricted free agent. So they still technically had control. So all they essentially did was declare their intention early and say, we're going to give TJ a, a contract for 2022 right now. Um, I believe that's the, the why they did it the way they did it um, because they weren't allowed to, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, but see, I'm, I'm doing my own math here. 19, 20, 21, 22. So those are the four years. If you're a non first round pick, the control that you have over players for four years, 2023 would have been his fifth year. And that's why he will be a unrestricted free agent. You think that if you're in that period, that first four year period, you can extend past to the fifth year. No, the third year, the third year is the key. And that's where we are with, 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 with Jalen hurts. So um, you can, you can do the extension after the third year. Um, and that's where the Eagles were with uh, uh, Josh and uh, Jordan and Avante and Dallas. Um, I do not believe you can do the multi-year. I think the difference with undrafted free agents, and again, I'll double check. I'll ask Joel Corey. I think the difference is with undrafted free agents, you, you can go you can go early as long as you have control over the player. In other words, you have these exclusive rights years, you have restricted years. So if you just let him play out the deal last year, he would have been a restricted free agent this year, and the Eagles would have had to make a decision. Do you want to tender him? You can tender him at a first-round level. You can tender him at a second-round level. You can tender him at an original-round uh, level. Um in, in the case of TJ, um, he was undrafted. undrafted. So, so uh, they could have offered him essentially what they gave him, as I said, was a second round tender. Uh, and they gave him that early, which is, you know, a pat on the back job yeah, well yeah. done. I do not believe they could have offered him a multi year extension, but I'm not 100% on that. But I, I think that's the, the rule. Check with your contact track guy. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We still got, oh, 45 minutes left. The Birds 365 on this Thursday edition. We're going to spend it if uh, we get him up in the green room. He just texted me and said he should be good to go. We're expecting to talk to uh, one of the best NFL reporters from NFL Network and writing for NFL.com as well. Philly guy Mike Garofolo is going to join us next here on Birds 365. News at 11 with Rick Williams. 
It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We are efforting the contact with Mike Garofalo. He, they logged in, but we're having trouble picking up his video. So uh, we're going to continue to uh, try and punch up uh, Mike Garofalo. Uh, when we do have him, we will put him through uh, for you guys to listen to. Uh, one of the best NFL reporters does a great job on the NFL Network. I specifically like him. I don't know about you, Johnny Mac, but I'm like lost this week. There's no good morning football on the NFL Network. I get up every day, get the dog out, get some coffee. Uh, got it on in the background when I'm prepping to come on with you at 8 o'clock in the morning. 7 o'clock, I'm watching good morning football. In no good morning football. They're taking vacation this week. So I got the re-airs of games from six years ago. I don't give a flying fart about the Cowboys or the Packers from six years ago. I want to hear what Mike Garofolo and or Kyle Brandt and or uh, any of the other guys on uh, – Good morning, football. That's what I listen to in the morning to get ready to talk. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear Mike talk about Baker Mayfield. That's exciting. Uh, July sixth headline. That's that's always exciting when when things happen. And he ended up where we thought he'd end up, which is kind of fun. Oh, not me. Oh, you didn't think he'd be in Carolina? Oh no, I thought he'd be on Carolina. I'd be in Carolina on draft day. Man. Oh no, no, no. I thought for sure he was going to Seattle because. Uh, yeah, I, I was a Sam Darnold guy coming out of USA and was glad when he landed with my jets. And I readily admit that he has not had the career that I thought he was going to have. You know, I'm a Matt Corral guy. I thought he was the, uh, potential second best quarterback in this past 
past draft behind Kenny Pickett. Now he's going to get buried and not get a chance to play. Oh, no. Seattle. Drew Locke. Geno Smith. Which team is more desperate for quarterback play? Oh, <laughs> the team in the north rather than the team in the south. Uh, yeah, but the here's way. the difference, and we got Mike, uh, Mike Garofalo. Yeah, I the NFL don't know how we're doing this. You guys got me? Yeah, yes, we got there you, he wow. is. I got Hello, Mr. Garofalo. How are you? I'm good. I got like three different devices open here. I guess it's <laughs> going to be. Boy. I guess it's going to be the phone, so I can get rid of there these. There you go. I don't you know look if I'm good, buddy. Let's straighten it, it out here. The phone. Your phone looks yeah. good. That's good video. You're always All right, good. good. Experience. There we go. Yeah. There, there's experience on the fly. Mike Garofalo, well done. Well done. Yeah, the laptop, the laptop wasn't cooperating. I downloaded three different browsers. None of them worked, so we're on the phone. There we go. <laughs> the phone is God good. God bless you. All right, uh, yeah. jump in here. What John and I were talking about before we got you punched up. Where did you think Baker Mayfield was going? More so, Carolina or Seattle? Those were the two most quarterback needy teams. It ends up being the Panthers rather than the Seahawks. Is that where you thought he was going, or do you think he was going north? Uh, no, I, th- I thought that was pretty much where he was going to end up. Um, I, I had advocated the whole time that, you know, he should probably swallow his pride and, uh, return to Cleveland. Cause I'd rather be the unquestioned starter of the, uh, Cleveland Browns and that offense, a system, you know, mm-hmm. um, rather than go compete for a job with the Panthers who have a lot of question marks and, you know, a lot of I know a lot of folks think it's just a matter of time before Matt Rule is out of there. Uh, so you've got all these all these questions that are happening there. Versus you go back to a place with a really good offensive line, a good running game, targets that are really good. Uh, everybody, you know, but I I gather that it just it was it was just done. It just got to the point where both sides, as Mayfield himself said recently, both sides were ready to move on. I, I, the other thing, if if he had gone back there. The knock on him, for better or worse, uh, fair or not, is that he's uh, an immature guy. What yeah. better way to show maturity than, hey, I can put all this aside. This team wronged me. This team went out and got a guy who's got all kinds of off-field stuff. I've done nothing but good work off the field uh, since since I've gotten to the league. I haven't been a distraction, even though that's kind of what his reputation was coming into the league. Haven't had any of that. I've been really good. I played hurt. I understand all that stuff, why you're, why you're upset. Suppose you were able to kind of put that aside, go back to a team that's going to need a quarterback for as long as Deshaun Watson is sideline, and go play well. I, I think that that was his best chance to set himself up for the future. I, I don't know about this situation in Carolina. I have a lot of questions about it. I don't think it's going to work well for him in the long run. Uh, but, you know, he, he just – pride got the best of him. I understand it, and now he's in Carolina. Well, before we get to the Carolina side of things, Mike, as you mentioned, it's supposed to be an open quarterback competition. You, you never want to bring in a quarterback this late. Uh, so you would think Sam Darnold will have a chance to sort of fend him off. But from Cleveland's perspective, do you think they were open-minded to that, saying, okay, we got this good roster. We we now have all these expectations, and, and we bring in Deshaun Watson. You know, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be suspended. Who knows how long? Uh, do you think they would have been open uh, to that idea of, of, of trying to mend the fences? Because they didn't look like they were, you know, bending over backwards to do it either. No, not lately, but early on, uh, that was the uh, – the plan or the hope. I mean, they, they knew early on that there was a potential that they were going to 
need a backup quarterback uh, to come in and play for an extended period of time. Um, and so the, the, the thought early, early on was, well, we can talk to him, we can get him back here and realize this is the best thing for him. He's under contract. Good luck holding out, forfeiting all that money. Um, but we can, you know, we can offer him the opportunity to come back here. We understand it's only for a short period of time. We understand he's upset. So that was the thought process early on. At some point, it was probably before the draft, um, the tone shifted and it was like, okay, no matter what, we got to get this guy out of here and it's only going to be a matter of time. So, um, I think they were open to it. I know they were open to it early, but as the process, uh, drug on and he made it clear how unhappy he was. And I think that there was a disconnect between, him and his teammates at some point. Um, not nothing nasty, just, you know, he, he kind of made it clear that he was moving on. It was just like, wh- why are we trying to do this? We hope this suspension will be as short as possible for Deshaun Watson. We can manage our way through. I, I think they're still holding out hope that it's four to six games. And, hey, that's fine. We can get by with Jacoby Brissett in the meantime. If it is a whole season, then, then you got to do something more drastic. And then maybe Jimmy Garoppolo comes into play. I was going to ask you, when did they sign Jacoby Brissett? Because that, to me, would demark where they go, all right, we're not going to ask Baker to be our, our fill the void till we find out how long the suspension is guy. Uh, I don't even remember when they signed Jacoby Brissett. Do you? It's a good question. I think it was early in free agency. Let me – maybe my laptop yeah, will be yeah. good for something today. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to – March 25th. So it was pretty there you early. Go. March, yeah, March it was... 25th relatively early and 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 look Jacoby Brissett um he he was a, a guy that the Patriots were able to get by with um in a lot of ways over the years uh he started when Garoppolo hurt his shoulder I believe because he was in for uh Brady during the suspension so he had a spot start yeah a couple of spot starts year. there he had you know where they had a yeah. different quarterback every year but yeah. but I covered a game I think it was the last game of Brady's suspension. They played Buffalo in New England. Rex Ryan was coaching Buffalo. And, and it was just pretty clear that Rex Ryan knew everything he needed to do to keep Jacoby Brissett in check. They may have been shut out that day. Whatever it was, it was never close, and the Patriots never got off the mat. Um, so, you know, he's not your long-term solution is what I'm saying. But if it's, if it's short-term, um, this is a guy four to six games, like you said, or like I said, you know, he can get us a maybe a 500 record. They feel like they've got a good roster. They're going to run the ball certainly a lot. That's what they do. So I, I think they're – I know that they're like the rest of us in that we don't know how this is going to go. Previously, you would say, okay, we got a pretty good indication of what the NFL is going to do suspension-wise, but it's a new process now. And you've got a retired federal judge, yeah. Sue Robinson, who is the independent uh, arbitrator in this case. And nobody knows what she's thinking. It was a thorough hearing last week. Went a little longer than people thought it was going to go, people yeah. involved. So you start to wonder, is that a good thing for Deshaun Watson or is that a bad thing? Nobody really knows yet. We'll see. You know, you mentioned Sue uh, in her background, Mike, a former judge. Judges tend to lean on precedent. And I think Andrew Brandt is the one who told us this, Jody. Um, if she does that, it's going to be hard to suspend – Sean Watson for a full season, indefinite yeah. suspension. But then, as you mentioned, you have this new system. Each side can appeal. And then ultimately it ends back in Roger Goodell's hand. Do you yeah. think if she lays down a four to six game suspension, the NFL would appeal that? Or do you think they would lean on, well, she that's her decision and we can lean on that versus, you know, trying to assuage public opinion uh, for lack of a better phrase 
I would find it hard. I mean, listen, the, the, the players often appeal. If it's up to the league and they have the ability to appeal, I'm sure they'll exercise at a certain point. But, you know, can you now um, undermine this process that you collectively bargained and say, well, this is this is the suspension that we believe? Because it goes back to Goodell at that point, um, if I recall correctly. Yes. You know, yes. Can, can you – she says four to six games. Eh, it doesn't matter what she said. No, I mean, it, it was part of the negotiation. Um, this is something that um, I think in a lot of ways they were kind of relieved was off their plate a little bit because it's something that they had been criticized for mm-hmm. as far as their heavy-handed suspensions. You know, it's they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. They got hammered for years because they weren't uh, strict enough, and then all of a sudden it was they were too strict, and the players wanted to have – back to more of an independent process. So it's like, uh, it, it, which way do you go on this? And, and, and they're in an interesting spot here. So it, it is an interesting one. I think Andrew diagnosed that correctly. I think, um, you know, the precedent on this one might be difficult. Um, it, with the Sean Watson, at some point, the number matters, right? So you could, you've got a lot of folks saying, well, two grand juries passed on this. And, this is all kind of that's been settled and really innocent until proven guilty. And you don't have uh, this evidence that shows that things clearly happened. At some point, the number matters. You've got 26 women saying that he acted in a pretty consistent manner uh, from from their um, uh, accounts of what happened. So, you know, I, I, I think there should be a suspension here. I think it should be uh, pretty firm. Um is a full season too much? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really curious to see which way this is going to at least start with Robinson's uh, decision. All right. I want to take you back to the Pacific Northwest. If the season starts and the top two quarterbacks for the Seattle Seahawks are Drew Locke and Geno Smith, as a Philly guy, how would you describe the upcoming Seahawks season? The beginning of a process? A complete tankapalooza, or would you consider it something else? <laughs> um, I'm very skeptical about. It. They love him. Uh, they love Drew Locke. I, I, they they really think highly of him. They like what he did coming out. Um, they like his his skill set. They feel like if they can get him there and uh, you know run the football. Pete loves to run the football. R- loves to I'm t- to the point where it drove Russell Wilson nuts the last couple of years. Um, you know, let's get a strong running game and have him throw off of that. He can move, he can throw on the run and do these kinds of things. Um, then, then we can make him successful. And if you're right, great, great. You don't have to spend the draft pick. You don't have to trade for a guy. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I'm skeptical. Uh, I have a hard time pinning them, you know, somewhere in the top three of the draft next year. I mean, somewhere where you're, 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 pretty locked in we've got a quarterback that we want to take and we're in a we're in a good spot just because Pete Carroll's a really good coach he's been a consistently good coach they're gonna win games right yeah so they're maybe in the top 10 I just don't know that they're one of the worst teams in the league right now uh but yeah I think it's it's the start of a process for them I think it's the start of some kind of rebuild I'm shocked uh because coming into the offseason and Pete said this himself at the combine hey we don't plan on trading Russell Wilson and boy they really threw it on him and their statements and everything that they've said since is he made it clear he wanted out of here. And it's just like, what are we going to do? We're not going to hold this guy hostage here. we got to let him go. Um, <clears throat> but I'm shocked that he's 
starting over at his age. I know he's very young for his age. He's got that energy, all that stuff. Very shocked that he is starting over at this point in his career with a new quarterback who may not even be in the building right now. Yeah. My, my hunch is that, that that's where we're going. Well, Next year, Seattle, some way, somehow, is finding a quarterback. Mike, if you're KJ Wright, you're Team Geno all day, baby. That, that Jody's talking about Drew Locke, Team Geno, Geno Smith. Do you really think that that's going to be an open competition uh, with Geno Smith, given the opportunity to beat out Drew Locke, or is that organization, as you mentioned, they really, really like Drew Locke. I mean, same thing in Carolina, by the way, because I want to get to that to you, with Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield, because this is late in the process to bring in a quarterback. Typically, all right, offseason work is scaled back. Nobody knows that more than people in Philadelphia where the Eagles barely do anything. So well, you always want the quarterback around. You want the quarterback in place. That's really, really late for a quarterback to come in and learn a new system. So do you think in both those cities, there's going to be an open quarterback competition? Uh, yes. I, 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 I handicap it. I give Drew Locke and Baker Mayfield the advantage in both spots there. Um, it, it's it's the, the, the Carolina one is interesting, though, because a lot of times the money will dictate what happens, right? Um, if we spent a lot of money on this guy, which the Panthers did with Sam Darnold by locking in for eighteen point yeah. eight million, but Baker Mayfield's making about like all in. Baker Mayfield's making about the same, but it, it's it's weird because a lot of that money, most of that money, is coming from Cleveland. Yeah, so you can say, well, it. yeah, salary wise, <laughs> these guys stack up, but we're paying more to yeah. Sam Darnold. But I, I, you know, I I think they'd love Darnold. To beat him out and just like we can't keep this guy on the bench. Boys had a great spring. They're already starting with that. I've heard it. Oh, he's had a great spring here. Yeah, great. Yeah. We don't play football in the spring. We play yeah. it in the fall. Um, I, I think they would love it if the light came on. I also think this. I think they're embracing the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable for both guys. These are two guys who have been uh, basically competing against each other since they were draft picks one and three in 2018 and now they're going to be in the same quarterback room fighting for the same job fighting for their lives uh their court not their lives their their careers excuse me uh fighting for their careers because at some point you're going to run out of chances for both of these guys so i think they're they they want to embrace that a little bit a little bit of friction i know ben mcadoo i I, ben mcadoo is he's gonna love that because maybe that'll finally be the kick in the rear that one of these two guys needs to really step up grab a job keep it for the long haul I think Baker Mayfield wins that job. To Seattle, I, you know, I, I Drew Locke, I've got a hard time seeing Geno Smith beating out Drew Locke. Drew Locke's going to have to beat himself out, and it's really hard to do that in the preseason when everything is so vanilla. Training camp when you're running against a uh, scout team, or although they do like to go ones against ones in Seattle, uh, but you're running your own stuff day in, day out. Um, I, 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 it's Drew Locke and Baker Mayfield week one for those teams. And another reason why I thought Seattle was the more likely place where Baker Mayfield could end up was now there's one quarterback left who's been a starter, has had a modicum of success in the league who you would think would be available, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo, who can very close to getting very close to being able to throw with the offseason surgery he had to have on his shoulder. Um, You don't see San Francisco trading him in division to Seattle, do you? No, I always I believed in Seattle, even they, and you know better than me, Mike, uh, we do. We like Drew Locke. Drew Locke is a guy. We would have drafted Drew Locke, blah, 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 all that stuff. I didn't, yeah. I, I think that it's them just saying the right thing. I don't see how they could actually believe that. So I believe they were going to be in the market for a quarterback. 
but it can't be Garoppolo. San Francisco wouldn't trade him and then watch Garoppolo beat him twice this year, would they? Well, they, right. Then you then you make them a legit team. I think right now uh, we, we've got serious questions about Seattle in large part because of the quarterback position. Now, all of a sudden, you put a guy that's a proven winner that's not going to kill you. That's really going to make sure that, you know, you, you're raising the level of what you're doing around you, around everybody. Not only do you make them a competitive team in the division, they still don't win the division, obviously. I think you've got the Rams and the 49ers and then even the Cardinals. But now it's a team that you've got to contend with. You're, you're right, twice uh, this upcoming season. And who knows? Maybe they sneak in and they're a playoff team or something like that. I mean, it's, it's very possible you do that. So, yeah, I got a hard time believing that that's going to be the case. We've seen it before. I mean, McNabb got dealt with in the division. I understand there was special circumstances. You know, it was a, it was a, one in, uh, an organization and, and Andy Reid wanting to do right by the guy. You may have a little bit of that with Jimmy Garoppolo, but he certainly hasn't been there as long as McNabb was with the Eagles. Um, so I've got a hard time seeing that happening. Um, I, I think Cleveland is – he's got to hope for a long suspension for uh, Watson. And if, if there is one, then, then yeah, then, then that clears the runway uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo to Cleveland. But like we talked about earlier, if it's only four to six games – Cleveland's not going to extend itself. They, they picked up $8 million yeah. off of this Baker Mayfield trade, right? $8 million in cash and cap space, which they may need for a quarterback. Garoppolo's making 25. So there's still going to have to be a bridge there. Maybe San Francisco's going to have to eat half of that contract, kind of like Cleveland did with Baker Mayfield. Um, and then let's say it's 12 and a half and you're getting that eight back. We just spend an extra four. We got ourselves. It, it's doable, but. Again, I think they're sitting back waiting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. I'll add this on Garoppolo. I was told he just saw uh, Neil Elitrash, the doctor who performed his shoulder surgery. Everything is on track for him to be throwing as scheduled when he first had the surgery. So that's a good sign and a good thing for Jimmy Garoppolo as we want to make uh, as he wants to make a, uh, a trade happen here. All right, Mike, let's bring it back home. The expectations in Philadelphia are, are through the roof, man. They keep it's going crazy. up and up and up. <laughs> And Howie's done a great job building this roster. really has. But, yep. um, hey, it all depends on the quarterback. And you just mentioned watching Jacoby Brissett. And I don't want to compare because I think Jalen Hurts has a bigger upside than Jacoby Brissett. But mm. you, you recognize at a point that, all right, this guy can win some games, play some games. But, you know, he's not your long-term answer. What do you see when you look at Jalen Hurts? What do you think the ceiling is? I think we've seen the floor. He's a good football player. Uh, he, you know, he was a Pro Bowl alternate last year. The team made the playoffs. But what's the ceiling? Um, I, I, the ceiling is, I, I don't see a guy that can really move things. I don't see a guy that can really uh, read things from a passing standpoint, throwing from the pocket that you need to do in this league. And when you talk to people, you say, can that be learned? Can that just like, oh, boom. You know, because I think he's going to improve in that area. He's a mm -hmm. hardworking guy. Um, I think he handled everything that was thrown at him with the Carson Wentz situation, which made it uncomfortable. Then he gets the starting job, and Deshaun Watson is hovering over his head and being asked about that for an entire offseason. Uh, you know, hey, this guy's not going to be the guy at this point next year. Well, here we are, and here he is. Um, so I think he's done a great job of handling all, he's got so many, he's got so many tools that you need to be successful in the NFL. You have that. Can the light come on? Can you improve enough in that area of, all right, I see what they're doing to me. Like I talked about earlier, I, 
we don't want to compare him to Jacoby Brissett, but yeah. I go back to that game that I talked about where Rex Ryan, okay, we got enough film on this guy. We've got enough answers. we got enough things to make him uncomfortable. He's not going to be able to do what he needs to do to throw the football uh, to be successful as a quarterback and to be successful as an offense. You're going to see a little of that because there's, there's tape out on him now, and you, and you can see what made him uncomfortable. Now, he's still going to be able to get out of stuff the way he was last year. I think New Orleans went into that game saying, boy, we are really comfortable uh, Dennis Allen and his scheme. Oh, we can't wait to unveil some stuff that we learned from the year before having seen him. Well, yeah, but then he all of a sudden is juking guys in the open field and there's no yeah. game plan for that. So there's still going to be enough of that that he'll be successful. I think it's I still kind of say what I said last year, which is it might be really tough for the Eagles to make a decision because now this is the third year. And if he plays good, but just not great. What kind of decision are you making if he puts the, the screws to you and says, hey, I want a long-term contract extension yeah. right now? Yeah. That's going to be where it could get really And we're talking, and, and really you know, tough. 35 million, 40 million. That's the that's the, the as the cap goes up, it's that's in the, 40s. the default setting. Yeah. It's in the 40s. I mean, if 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 Kyler Murray's going to sign a deal, and Kyler Murray certainly has shown you more than Jalen Hurts has, although I still have questions about Kyler Murray and his ability yeah. to be successful at this level but he's shown you more so he, he's in that 40 range you know if you had to do a deal for Jalen Hurts right now he's certainly not in the 40 no, range but no. he could get himself up there again if he improves in those areas that we're talking about with the ability to read things see things and dictate things right you know I, I yeah I see what you're doing but but I'm, I'm going to be able to manipulate things with my eyes with my head with whatever I have to do and I can I can throw that football from the pocket we'll see yeah and I think um i'm one of those few uh trying to fit the laser in there i think he's going to be back on his fourth year his rookie year of his deal i don't think they're going to do an extension i don't think they're going to go out and get another quarterback i don't know that they're necessarily going to be in position to draft one of the top two qbs in the draft so i think it's going to be jalen hurts back on the last year of his deal and us using the uh, phrase franchise tag a lot after this yeah. season is over and done with. Well, but it, 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 well, the tag wouldn't come into play for two more years. It's just yeah. a question of are you committing to this guy? And then it's like, how long can you play this game? I mean, I mean, yeah. we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Obviously, yeah. uh, we'll see how this season goes. But it's 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 certainly a storyline and, and something I've got my eye on for for down the line. All right. Well, speaking, let, uh, speaking of storylines, yeah. let me get, uh, get this one in, John. You could be the perfect guy. If your bosses came to you and said, Mike, we need you to work on a story. We need to get inside Dan Snyder's head. And if we send an <laughs> investigative reporter, we're just going to scare the snot out of him. He's going to stay on the yacht out there in France, and we're never going to be able to get to him. We got to send a savvy yet NFL-friendly guy, and the best guy on the staff is Mike Garofolo. You could be a perfect fit for this. Because you're not going to scare him off, but you might be able to just wriggle in and get a great interview with him and maybe get some facts out there. If your boss said that to you, number one, do you go, I'm in? Do you go, yeah, I want no part of that? If you do say I'm in, how would you play getting to the bottom of Dan Snyder? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm going to accept. I mean, listen, if, if my boss tells me we can do this, um, I need to be clear, like, are, are there any restrictions here? Is it something that Dan Snyder would want out of anybody? Or is that something, hey, it's an NFL Network interview. I mean, listen, he's 132nd, my boss, yeah, right? I, I understand too. that part of it. Um, so I need to make sure that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in as a, I'm still a trained 
journalist and, and somebody who wants to get to the truth here. Um, you know, I, it's I, I the, the tone of his statements uh, and, and, and the statements of him and his wife via their uh, uh, their firm that they've hired, uh, their publicity firm to kind of handle a lot of this stuff is, you know, oh, the Washington, I saw it, the Washington Post keeps coming with information and they're ignoring what we've done in the last two years. Okay, well, the last two years because you acknowledged that the culture was yeah. not good enough before that. That doesn't mean that, like, everything is forgotten and forgiven. This is still stuff that you have to answer for, uh, whether it's Congress or whoever is asking you the questions. So um, it's it's I, I appreciate what they've done since then and what they've tried to do. That's great. Uh, but is it being done because you genuinely believe that this is something that needed to be done? Uh, or is it is it being done because, well, this will this will stop people from asking the questions. That's not how it works. Um, and we need to learn from our mistakes as a society, as a football organization, um, as media members. Everybody has to learn from their mistakes and grow from these mistakes. So hopefully there's growth there. I mean, that's that's kind of I understand all that. But but that's the question is you don't really believe that everything you've done for the last couple of years here just erases everything that happened before. And that all of a sudden you could just everybody else to turn a blind eye to that. That needs to be answered for. That's the way I would tag it. At Mike Garofolo on Twitter. Follow Mike there. You can even get a cameo I see up on your Twitter page. Cameo.com backslash yeah. Mike You know what Garofolo. I love doing? Because yeah. um, uh, I'm a fantasy football player and have been for years. Uh, folks will ask me to pick the draft order for their league. Yeah. Um, which is an honor. Uh, I actually, I, one time I picked one last year. And the woman called me out on Instagram. She's like, I can't believe this guy did this. I said, I put random. I didn't do it on purpose. I put random <laughs> names in a hat. I always pick, let's there's 12 teams. I'll go 12 to one. And she was the first name I pulled out. And I replied to her, ha, ha, ha. And she was dead serious. Oh, she was yeah. like, I can't believe you. Did. Said, okay, all right. It's my bad. You know, well, I, I don't think I heard. House with a bunny burning. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. go there down that yeah. road, Garfield. But I, anyway, I. I do those. I love doing those on, on, on Cameo. It's just it's an honor to do that. I'll give out some advice while I'm doing it as far as what there I'm thinking go. for fantasy football. There that's we go. Blast. All right, that's what I, you said. Daniel Snyder's one uh, thirty second of your boss. So was Jeffrey Lurie. You've yeah. known Jeffrey for a long time. We we've, we've had Jeffrey now for over a quarter century here in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's one been one of the best owners in the NFL. Um, you know, if Mike Garoppolo could offer Jeffrey Lurie's advice, we're talking about, um, you know, how long can you go? How long can you go at the quarterback position? Keep kicking the can saying, ah, I'm not sure. What would your advice to be? Nope. Got to make a decision. Bang. End of this year. Or, you know, the NFL's changing. The money's too much. Stay cost effective. Keep rolling it over. Give Jeffrey Lurie some advice on this quarterback position. Yeah, I, I think you got to make a call either way at the end of this year. Like, either we're ready to commit to this guy long term, or uh, we got to move on and find something because you're going to have a draft that's going to be quarterback heavy, and you've got a general manager that knows how to manipulate things and move up in the draft. And he may need to do that starting at midseason. If you start to to realize, hey, okay, if you're taking my advice and and we think the answer is going to be no, we're not extending this guy, then we need to start, you know. Because uh, it started last year with that trade with the yeah. with the Saints and and yeah. other teams are aware. It's not like the Eagles are the only team that's aware. Oh, hey, there's a 
quarterback heavy draft. We're going to start, you know, oh, yeah. to get ourselves talk about Maybe. Seattle. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, they're going to be in a position. And, and I think Atlanta is going to have a rough season in large yeah. part to put themselves in position. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not using the T word, but we yeah. know what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, uh, that, that would be my advice is it may be a tough call. You may get a lot of blowback because he's a popular guy. See, he's charismatic, yes. right? That's going to make it harder. He's charismatic. He is everything I talked about as far as his ability to stay level. While other, I mean, almost got trampled uh, by the people falling out of the stands in yeah. Washington. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and was totally chill, totally calm the whole time. It, it didn't see a, a bead of sweat form in his forehead despite the fact that all of a sudden there were strange people around him and nearly falling on top of him. Uh, so that's going to make it difficult because a lot of people look at that and you, and you like that of a quarterback you do, but you know, that, that'd be my advice to Jeffrey Laurie at the end of the season. Yes. Long-term, no long-term. Got to make a call. All right. Thank you both for segueing perfectly into my last question. You half answered it. I'm going to put you uh, to, to the griddle on it. Who's going to be the worst team in the national football league this year? Or the worst two teams, because, yes, I've done my handicapping of the quarterback already, and it changes as the season unfolds. But I think Stroud and Young will be the top two guys in the first two picks in the draft. Who's going to be the worst? Who are the Eagles going to be? Who are they going to have to be talking to if they do want to get one of those top two guys to move up? Are they both just quarterback desperate teams, and then they don't have a shot? Right now, and I know a ton of it has to do with injuries, Mike, so it's a kind of an unfair question, but crystal ball no, for me. Who are the two I, worst teams? I, I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I, like, I like answering this one. I, I'm good with it. <laughs> um, Houston's in the mix. Uh, Atlanta's in the mix. Chicago. Now, the, the problem with Chicago is they actually do have a, a decent schedule. I've looked at their schedule. Um, but I, I've, it's a new general manager. It's a new head coach, and it's a quarterback that we have questions about. And, you know, I know there's blowback now. If you say, oh, the Bears haven't done enough, haven't put enough around Justin Fields, and the Bears fans, they haven't. They haven't put enough around Justin Fields, okay? Um, And, and, you know, I'm not sold on, on a lot of parts of their roster. And, frankly, when you get a new GM in, he wants his own guys. And that makes it difficult to kind of build in the short term because, hey, he's got a long term vision. So I, I am I am projecting pain for the Chicago Bears. All right, so then this will season. be I thought that was going to be our last question. This one's going to be instead. If you're right, which it could very well be. I'm a big Justin Fields fan. I think the kid I thought he was a stud coming out. I still think he's a stud. I agree wholeheartedly with you. The Bears have done not near enough. Unlike the Eagles who will go out and get A.J. Brown to give uh, Jalen Hurts a shot, Bears have done none of that for Fields in, in Chicago. If they do stink and finish with one of the first two records, they're not taking a quarterback, are they? Are they or, did, or do they re Fields yeah, they two might. years in? Oh, they might. I think they do. I yeah. think they do. Yeah. You think, they, no, I... you think they're going to take quarterback if they got the second yeah. pick in the draft? When, when I, I, you just see it. Over yeah. and over. I right, then I'll trade league. for Justin Fields if I'm the Eagles. You yeah. want to give me Justin Fields for a third round well, pick? Done. Well, but then you, but then you got a guy who's similar to what you've got, which is the questions about him. Hey, can he read it? Can he see it? Can he manipulate it? You know, he's got the ability. There's no question about that. So you kind of got him already in Jalen. Yeah. And I think you got, I think you got a better version. Right, but let me, let me follow think, up with this question then. Do you feel that way about Trevor Lawrence? Mm. Do I feel which way? 
Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Both of them last year had the same I season. Love, Do you say love, you got questions about Trevor Lawrence? No, I, I love don't. Trevor Lawrence. I love Trevor. I love Trevor. And I think I think Doug. I think Doug. Doug. Doug Nelson. And uh, by the way, Mike pointed out Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus. They have no skin in the game when it comes to Justin Fields. No skin in the you, game. You see it. Way. You see it all the time. It's it, yeah. They want like they sit there for years. Okay, as personnel guys and scouts and working their way up, and then when I become a general manager, yeah, I want this guy. I want this guy. Da, da. And then you get a job, and it's like, oh, we just took this guy right here last year. We traded up for him. All right, cool. Let's see how he does. And the whole time, it's like this guy's working. It's stacked against him, basically. And I'm not saying that Ryan Poles is – please, not saying <laughs> Ryan Poles is rooting for Justin Fields yeah. to fail. I'm not saying that. I'm just yeah. saying. He didn't draft him. You always envision yourself, well, Doug, I'm going to hire Doug, my own coach. I'm going to have my quarterback. You know, Doug, Dougie P and the new uh, general manager of Jacksonville didn't uh, draft uh, no. Trevor Lawrence but, uh, Trust me, well, Doug likes but, Trevor but, Lawrence. But, 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 yeah. But it's for it, Doug. I mean, yeah. listen, it's it's their second job, both yeah. of them. I, they're one, they're, they're one thanking more. the Lord they got a job right now, and sure. and they both like that job because of the quarterback. Yeah, sorry. One more, Zach Wilson. Same situation. Oh, by the yeah. way, Justin Fields' number is better than Zach Wilson's last year. If yeah. he stinks, then the, and the Jets finish with the well, are they going to fire Joe are Douglas? Gonna, I would say no. We're then taking a quarterback. Yes. We'll, we'll give you Zach Wilson, Philadelphia. I. I, I wouldn't fire Joe. I think Joe's done no. a nice job. I think yeah. they might just because yeah. that's that's been the mo of the organization. Just been turnover yeah. at both GM and and head coach positions. Um, I, I got to see. Listen, earlier I talked about how well Sam Darnold was doing in the spring, and I said, well, we don't play football in the spring, so who cares? I, I've heard mixed reviews about Zach Wilson's spring that it's been a little up and down, but we don't play football in the spring, so let's see. I'm just I, I'm not like I'm giving you. I'm sold on Trevor Lawrence. I love Trevor Lawrence. I'm not there with Justin Fields. I'm not there with Zach Wilson. Obviously, big years for both of those guys to show me. Okay, so you put Zach with Fields, but you Trevor Lawrence on the side. Yeah, okay, Trevor. we'll see how yeah. it shakes out. Garrett Fuller, that's why we love having you, because we appreciate your insight and your passion, uh, and we want you to get that Dan Snyder interview. I don't know why I said I just made that up, but I hope that's the case. <laughs> I uh, love it when you're on uh, Good Morning Football. Hope to see you plenty before the season starts. Thank Next you, week. Next week you're on? Yeah, what there day? you go, all week. All week? All week, oh. I believe. And my 7 check o'clock my hour is going to be good, leading here in the Birds 365, if I get to watch you with the crew. Uh, Mikey, yeah. thanks much. Appreciate it always. Thanks, Mike. You got it, guys. Mike Garfolo, NFL Network, and uh, does work for NFL.com as well. All right. Yeah, see, the difference is, Jody, the change in general manager. See, if Joe changes, then I'd be, yes, Zach's in trouble. But if Joe's there, Zach's fine. Um, so the shift in general manager is the, the concern for me with Justin Fields. Well, then I would just as soon see Justin Fields in Eagles green. Eagles should have drafted him then. Yeah, that would be, that would be perfectly fine with me as a matter of fact, and they can explain it. Oh, you had a draft. You had to draft Justin Fields. Yeah, but we also had the chance to draft Devontae Smith and we just happened to fall down on the wide receiver rather than the quarterback. But now things have changed. I'd be perfectly fine with that. All right, uh, running late. We went long with Garofalo. Why not? When you got a guy like him uh, on the show, you milk him for everything he's worth. We'll come back and put a bow on the show next here on Birds 365.
to News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community, a sports roundup for the locals, and the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. show capper uh let me refer to one of our schoolers mark oberdorf who said love seeing mike on the show can you get kyle brant on sometime maybe his crush Kay adams well first thing first kyle's yeah. on good morning football every single day yeah so oh by the way when we're on he's on. on yeah so we can't get kyle brant yeah. love to get kyle brant we'd have to like wrangle him while he's on vacation and when you're on vacation you could probably do something other than come on birds 365 so i would not hold my breath for kyle brand although we'd love to have him on um k adams did i ever tell you that i hosted a show with k adams once no but i know you're a big k adams fan yes um maybe that's why uh, how how this how the how the show go on the sirius xm fantasy channel which if well, you've got fantasies be, about oh, Kay we're, Adams, we're, we're, that's not a bad thing yeah. to be talking about. Down no, no. The, yeah. We're, we're talking about actual fantasy road. football. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she did shows for Sirius and I used to fill in. And sure enough, one day it was me and Kay Adams. Um, uh, I don't think she'd even remember my friggin' name. Which is Now the, Kay moved to, where'd she move? Amazon? She didn't. She stepped away from the NFL network. Everyone believed she was going to get the Amazon job. And uh, the, the girl from Fox, 
uh, got it. Carissa Thompson. Carissa Thompson got it? Yeah, right. she's going to be the host of pre and post on the Amazon Thursday night games. So I don't think Kay has landed anywhere yet, or I haven't seen it. So uh, when or if she does get an NFL job, I will pursue trying to get a contact right. to her. Kay, Kay Adams. By the way, that's not a real name. Did you know that? No. She, uh, she goes with uh, Nome de Plume. Nome I did not know Plume. that. Yes, her real name is Dorothy Kanopka. Really? Yes. I know. I, well, I'll see if I can get Dot on the show. But uh, first things first, she's probably going to have to get a gig because I don't think she's going to want to come on until she does because our first question is going to be, where are we going to see you this fall, okay? And if she doesn't have an answer, she's not going to want to answer the question. So if she gets a gig wherever she lands, after that, if she's not working uh, in the morning, like she has been for the length of uh, uh, Birds 365, we couldn't get her on if we wanted to for the same reason that Andrew Brandt, uh, we can't get on. They're kind of busy while we're on the air doing their own show. But I will uh, attempt to see if I can put the pieces together and get Kay Adams or Dorothy, whatever you said. Nice Kenopka. Polish uh, uh, name. Nice Polish girl. She knows her stuff. Uh, we will we will attempt to get her on. Uh, just have to find out where she's going to be working. And hopefully it's sometime in the afternoon or at nights so she can get up and uh, jump on with the guys from Birds 365. All right, uh, you and I coming back tomorrow. We've got uh, both guests lined up. Yeah, Come we got uh, Les Bowen and uh, Eric Edholm, uh, NFL reporter. We got a good one uh, planned tomorrow. Today was good. We thank both Seamus Glancy and Mike Garofalo for coming on. Partner, I'm coming back tomorrow. How about you? Two and two, baby. Mac and Mac in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.